welcome to another episode of Speaking the Lawn, the official podcast of streakingthelawn.com. Uh, once again, my name is Pierce. And once again, I have Zach with me. Zach, hello. How are you? Hi, Pierce. I'm good. UV football is back. That's fun. A heat that's wave true. has hit Charlottesville and my AC is not working, so that's less fun. But oh. yeah, it's a good week. Huh. Well, that sucks. Uh, but you know who's also <laughs> back is Caroline's on the podcast this week. Hello, Caroline. Hey! How are you? Bum, 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 do, you have, do you have AC? I have AC, but this time of year, yeah. it's just it does as best as it can. And so I currently have another fan going up here, too. Oh, okay. I hate summer. It's the worst, well, you guys. I live somewhere where the AC works, so uh, well, I don't have any fans The top floor going. heat rises this time of the afternoon. The yeah, sun's coming in. Yeah, I'm on the second in. floor right here. Yeah, oh, whole thing. This is ridiculous. Okay. Plant well, some trees. we can't all be fancy homeowners like Pierce. So. <laughs> Not all of us are rich, Pierce. Some of us are writers. Yeah, oh, oh. <laughs> uh i am not the rich one on the blog or in the, the top <laughs> half i think anyway virginia football is here what you're here to hear about and uh virginia football is what we're going to talk about uh fresh off opening the season in nashville uh, against the tennessee volunteers in a, a pretty sizable loss uh, i think the general consensus was that's about what i expected I can see where the bright spots are, hopefully. Uh, Tony Musket better be okay. And that's, of course, the, the biggest question mark. I don't know. I don't have any inside sources. Um, I don't know if there's reasons for optimism or reasons for pessimism, but we're going to find out soon. And uh, I guess my fourth point uh, to summarize everything before we dive into it is, God, they better beat JMU. <laughs> that, that is... <laughs> That is just really weighing on me. And uh, yeah, Zach, uh, from the opener, what what were some things that stick out to you about uh, recapping the game? Um, you don't have to get anything to su- surprising necessarily or positive, wh- wherever that takes you. What what sticks out to you when you think about the game we watched on Saturday? Yeah, I, I mean, I think the the hardest part about analyzing this game is that Tennessee is just so much bigger, faster, and stronger than Virginia. So a lot of sort of the points that we have to make are sort of with that caveat in mind in the sense that when Virginia plays a team that doesn't quite have that sort of physical dominance, certain players, certain schemes, certain parts of this team might just look better simply because of that. And some of the concerns that we see in game one might not be as severe or even exist against, all due respect, a JMU, which is just not Tennessee. Um, With that being said, though, I mean, I think, yeah, I I think this defense absolutely has star players on it. I think that they're going to get some back. I think they've Mm -hmm. got a good defensive line that has the ability to stuff the run, to get after the the quarterback. a, a group of a secondary that maybe is a little bit heavy in safeties, but Cohen <laughs> King played well at corner. Um, Antonio Clary is coming back. They're going to, if Rudzinski can figure out how to use those guys correctly, I'm really happy about that defense. And I think that even some of like the weak points seem fixable um, really on either end of the, of the field. All right. Uh, Caroline, just sort of same question. What, what, you know, immediate takeaways did you have? Yeah, I mean, I think the first and foremost and obvious one is something that you guys have hit on. Treating the lawn and Zach hit and the winners and losers and others post. Um, it was really nice to have football back. Um, and I was impressed just in general 
um, that's a really tough like situation and game to come out and to see, especially like we've talked about before, I've tweeted about it multiple times, but Mike Collins being back on a football field, it will never not be the most mind blowing thing to me. That is incredible to me. So that to me was just awesome to see in the sense that like getting out there and watching the guys play and seeing Betridge make the field goal with Deshaun Perry's number on and all that sort of stuff. So um still so much heartbreak on that squad. And so it's cool to see them get out and be able to get out and play and honor their teammates. Um on the field, I think Zach hit it. They don't play anybody else remotely close to Tennessee. Hopefully whether not. it's <laughs> I mean, if they do, then I've severely underestimated. And I'm not saying they don't play anybody else good. They play other teams that are good or strong or whatever um, that sh- will have solid seasons, blah, blah, blah. But you're not seeing, I mean, I don't even think like Clemson, maybe, I don't know what to take from the Florida State LSU game, but they're not seeing Florida State. They're not seeing Clemson. They're not going to, you know, face any of those squads. You have questions about what they do against a team like North Carolina, which arguably could be if I'm th- if I'm remembering the schedule correctly that could be probably the toughest game on the schedule Miami um but those two teams won't have either the physicality or the hurry up of um mm-hmm. what we saw from Tennessee the pace their pace of play I think especially second half like you could see that the defense was worn down and I think that's understandable not just from playing bigger physical faster guys but also the offense wasn't on the field a ton and that's also a testament to the defensive line of Tennessee there was that stretch in the first half where it was like they it felt like they barely got the snap and not even ones that were low like normal snaps and it was like two guys were right there and so um I liked I actually so I tweeted this and of course people are like I wish I had your optimism because I said I actually feel a bit better about the season after game one than I did going into it because it answered a few of the questions where I had questions. Um, and when I say like, I feel better, I mean, like now I think it's three wins instead of one. Like, so that's where it's like folks chill. I'm not saying that they're going to like win the ACC. I'm saying that maybe there's four wins there where I thought that that would be a stretch. Um, a lot of it comes down to what you said, if Tony Musket's healthy, um, Although I liked, you know, Tony Calandra has got a little pizzazz. He's got a little yeah. punch to him. So, you know, like, it's not ideal. I'd rather he has a chance to, like, grow and be the backup. But yeah. um, I, I think really this liked... team will win yeah. more games if Musket is the quarterback. Yes, 100%. Yes, make, absolutely. Yeah. Um, And I really liked when he had a second to breathe. I liked what I saw from Tony Musket. Yeah, definitely. Um, A lot. And I really liked what I saw from the wide receivers. Yeah. Um, And that was a position that I had a lot of questions about and, you know, losing Marcus Hagans, he went to Penn state, they have a new wide receivers coach. So, you know, those are some of the things I really, you talked about defense, the defense I thought um, performed admirably under the, under the situation mm-hmm. um, they will do a good job against a lot of the teams that they face. I think Um questions remain offensive line offensive play calling and i think that's going to be a repetitive thing over the course of the season so let's get into the receivers a little bit more in detail um just because i i agree that was somewhat of a a bright spot and that's not a diss on the receivers it's just that it was hard to take away uh too much from the offense that was just getting manhandled in the trenches um but it did look like musket in those occasions they had time to be comfortable uh can spin it first of all and that the receivers were up for 
uh, getting open and, you know, ma- making good catches, rising to the point of the ball and, and uh, all that stuff that you want to see. So it's nice to start to get to know the guys who will probably be the stars of the offense a little bit because these are relatively unfamiliar names. I think we know, uh, obviously, we we follow the recruiting hard and so know who the transfers are coming in. And, uh, and we know the uh, local guy was going to be the next guy to, to step up. But um, you know, it's just nice to, to to look at the box score and see um, Malachi Fields and Malik Washington both bring down four balls. Um, 63 yards for Fields is is the high uh, the high mm-hmm. point. Um, I don't know. It, you know, it it just looked like, like you said, guys who are very capable of being starters for this team and and performed in those glimpses, <laughs> four catches yeah. each, the against a, a really quality you know top yeah. ten team in the country um you know what what were your uh how how did that change any expectation for you uh, by seeing this from the wide receivers like um like you said it was a question mark caroline but was it one where you're like okay now i feel more confident in this offense's ability to score points because i see receivers who aren't say (laughs) you know, making bad drops or running the wrong right. route or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think it's the big piece. I mean, it, it, I was worried about it being a one-dimensional offense in right. that sense that if you only, because we previously have seen them be one-dimensional just in the passing game and not having a run, running game. And I really like Kobe Pace. I really like Mike Hollins, obviously. I really like uh, Xavier Brennan. Play. He's injured. Is that right? Yeah, he's not a couple more weeks. So Paris yeah. Jones was the guy. Paris Jones flashed. was fantastic. And so I like that group. And I don't necessarily know that because of the offensive line questions. And this is not going to just be me being like, oh, the offensive line is all their fault, blah, blah, blah. Anytime you replace four starters is extremely difficult. When you do that in back-to-back seasons with a coaching change as well, that's brutal like and it's just it's going to take time and that's just going to have they're going to have to figure out and I think you know it's always the OC's fault I get that like that's just kind of it's it was a nice fault it's been and I understand Des Kitchings has people can easily and rightfully point out his history of where he's coached and his success rates at those places I understand that but there were modifications in the second half you saw a lot more of like musket was rolling out they were moving the pocket they got a like there were things that I saw over the course of the game where I thought that there were adjustments made that were positive. That's what you're supposed to do as a coach. I'm not trying to say that they're like mind blowingly amazing because they did the thing that they're supposed to do, which is see what they're (laughs) facing and make adjustments, but there were adjustments. And so I, I was extremely concerned about the offense because of the fact that even if I, we didn't know what we were going to get at Tony Musket. just, just because I think a lot of us hadn't seen Monmouth play a lot and hadn't seen competition against power five (laughs) or at all (laughs) or never heard the name the name is so good though by the way tony musket is such a great quarterback name for us to go from an armstrong to a tony musket is just top notch so you have (laughs) you have questions about the quarterback just because you he's an unknown entity you have questions about a brand new offensive line you have a running back crew that you think could be pretty good but again offensive line how much space are they going to get and we saw early in the first half every single thing was negative yardage um i think once they really got things moving and clipping a little bit in the second half was was great and i think that's more like what we're going to see against the competition virginia will face and then you add in the question mark of the wide receiving core which had a bunch of new faces and younger guys or transfers in that we didn't know as well so 
seeing Tony Musket helps seeing the receivers make some really nice catches. And even the ones that they missed, there was a catch, I think on the first or second drive that was real close. It was really pretty, but like just awkward coming down, good play by the corner, whatever. So yeah, that's what is I think most exciting Pierce is the fact that that was an unknown entity that kind of now with the other couple unknown entities that I thought had positive showings over not as much as you can in a 49 13 you know like 49 10 um but the it answered a few questions where i was like okay they will be difficult for teams to to scheme against or to try and there's more than one threat wide receiver wise too and that's also very important because now you can't just double the one you know washington or can't double fields or whatever Mm -hmm. um so i i liked all of that that stuff made me really happy (laughs) good and also add i think Demique starling is a guy who yeah not against tennessee when he's able to get downfield and tony musk is able to sit in the pocket for two seconds we're going to be able to see make some like he's going to be the deep bomb guy like that that's where he's going to make his impact um i thought fields for as good as he was, could have been slightly better. And I say that in sort of a way of saying that he was close to having six catches for 85 yards in this game. Yeah. And it's really only minor changes. Like he, the miscommunication or just sort of yeah. the, 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 the misunderstanding on that one route. I think it was mm-hmm. the fourth quarter. I think he uh, stopped and he, came back. Yeah. He, he thought it was looking. a comeback. Yeah. yeah. And then he had one drop, I think, when Calandria was in there. I don't know if the angle was weird. Regardless, I agree with everything that Caroline said, and I think um, more time in the pocket. Jimmy Crisp being back at right tackle, um, happening. I, I assume Elliot said last week that it's likely he's back this week. Um, I think that that will be a big plus because then not can to, they they move um... Nana? Well, it's it's a it's yeah, it's interesting. So you definitely yeah. put Crisp at right tackle because you just you want that size. You think that he's just going to be probably more able to contain edges there whereas you got anana all due respect to him i think just was out of his league on saturday and just was getting beat every which way and he's a guard playing tackle and that was evident you want guards guys like that you want to be able to have them um have people blocking around them so they can't be beat inside outside run through um and so it's it's a curious conversation do you put non at left guard for noah josie who played well in this game do you put him at right guard for brian stevens who struggled with the strength and the size but maybe could be better long term in the running game as a guy who get up field i think chris at right tackle will be an improvement mikhail bully was fantastic in pass protection as your left tackle you love that out of a second year guy um and i thought josie was good furnish stevens and nana were, were a bit of a struggle but the way that I don't mean to get off track. I know we were talking about the wide receivers, but to look at that running game in the second half, um, the way that they transitioned to playing pistol and Paul brought this up in a round table that we put up today. And I'm actually going to probably go deeper into it for a story that's going up tomorrow. Or if you're listening to this probably today um, on how UVA is, how Des Kitchings really sort of made a change in that second half to get the running game going by using a pistol formation rather than just pure shotgun, putting the running back behind mm-hmm. Tony Musket or Calandria. So just some raw, well, not raw stats, but some easy stats that I just put together. UVA went 26 handoffs for 112 yards, and that's slightly over four yards per carry. In pistol, they went 14 carries for 81 yards, 5.8 yards per carry. Uh, non-pistol, shotgun, I don't think they ever went under center, uh, but in just shotgun with the back to the left or the right of the quarterback, 12 carries for 41 yards for 3.4 yards per carry. 
Um, Paris Jones, his touchdown run was in pistol. Kobe Pace's 22-yarder was in pistol. So clearly something worked there. Also running to the left side of the line helped where it's just those bigger bodies are. Um, and they were able to get Furnish and Stevens going upfield rather than just getting penetrated into where they yeah. had to. Uh, they were able to sort of like block to space to their left rather than just holding people that were coming from the ball carrier right behind them. Um, so clearly getting the backs running with momentum while maintaining the advantage of the quarterback being in shotgun and being able to see the field. Um, that's a plus. Obviously, Ty Furnish's snaps need to just frankly be higher. And I think that he'll be able to adjust to that. He's a guy who has some experience and hasn't had a ton of issues with that in the past. But that pistol thing that that's notable for a Des Kitchings adjustment in the second half that worked. And that I think could be applicable down the line, especially if you can get, do that against Tennessee and put together that sort of third quarter drive that they had, that means something. Sounds, sounds good on paper or <laughs> sounds good on audio in theory. Yeah. yeah in theory. I mean, I think it's a lot of um, maybe it's, it's, personnel by personnel maybe it's just playing to your strengths and that continues uh for the rest of or for a lot more of the season because for whatever reason our personnel that works out better that way i wonder if it is calandria and not musket where their games differ enough to where that would steer the offensive uh uh strategy um it would be probably Interesting to see a true freshman out there. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> yeah, and like like you said, uh, both of you said, the, the remaining schedule is not a murderer's row of even the top of the ACC. Although Yeah, UNC it's like a weird mix good. of like of okay teams. You know, yeah. like the ones that now after, you know, we talked about Jamie. Jamie's still going to be a good team. Like that's the thing. Like I understand like that. I think this is – this feels like a must win in the sense of like things can get out of hand very quickly if they don't win this game because you follow it up with the Maryland road game and then you have Brendan Armstrong coming back with a state team um, that's going to try and throw deep. And I will say this, I thought that the corners was another spot to me that actually like there was the one play where they lost the guy so badly <laughs> and it like hit him off the the dome it was a perfect ball yeah. from joe milton and he just dropped it um but they had a couple really nice breakups i'm not saying it was perfect they had a couple really nice plays on the ball where they looked in the right place against a strong big receiver and broke uh-huh. a pass up i don't know sure, Pierce, sure. you're making a face like you don't agree with me on well, the overall I, assessment of the corner <laughs> play, but... <laughs> i agree with you that there were some good plays yeah. um i would say I I was not I was not made more confident in this season's potential by the play of the cornerbacks overall, and I think yeah, some I think of that it... has to do with Milton just missing dudes. That game, it was nice that it was fourteen three, right? And we're like, gosh, if they could get a first down, you know, and, and, yeah, uh, maybe we're even hanging with them. And then obviously a minute drive and. And it's 21 three and then you go three and out and then it's 28 three. And now it's just, okay, let's just see what we got. The game's out of control, but the game could have been out of control before that field goal. If Milton wasn't missing wide open dudes, it could have been 28 zero, like real easy. (laughs) You know, most quarterbacks are going to miss some dudes during the course of the game. You know, and Milton's a good player. Um, but there were some egregious misses from him that I don't think Drake May is going to make. 
You know, yeah, what I mean? he's he scares me a lot. Um, I think he might actually be the best quarterback they face. So, but then again, you know, maybe maybe Virginia's pass rush gives you and see more of an issue than yes, I did, think that would absolutely Milton, be the case. You know, so I'm not I'm not throwing in the I did like the Carolina game. I just again corners, I will. Corners had a rough day. Uh, I will say that there's a mix of things that go into this, but there was a stat like midway through the third quarter, I think it was, where. Milton was, you know, whatever, seven for nine on passes, like 10 yards or la- or fewer or whatever, mm. and nothing. He was over whatever, over 10 yards. And so I think I just, to be fair, they can very quickly go down the field picking up nine yards at a time. I get that, mm-hmm. <laughs> especially the hurry up that they play. So if they don't need to force, if the short passes are there, they can pick up the yardage that way. There's no reason to force a deep ball or a 30 plus yard play. Mm-hmm. I think probably from a couple seasons back i'm still in like shock mode of like oh thank god they didn't give up any gigantic like huge backbreaker plays in the first half like that type of thing so i think that also stood out in a i don't know how much of that was just tennessee taking what was easier and what was there or if the corners did a good enough job to deter it for you know a certain amount of time that um, the shots they did take they missed the throw or or you know the guy dropped the ball or there was a good play um yeah there were i don't want to say the only times they missed deep balls were when they dropped the ball or he missed the throw like they made a couple good like nice plays on mm-hmm. deep balls but um i the thing that was and i don't blame or this is not like a knock on josh josh Hupel for calling these things but i will tell you what when he called the second fourth and one when it was like at their own 30 and it was, it was like nice i was like that is a big that. I was like, that is a big FU moment from like the Virginia defense where it's like, and again, this is not a knock. Like jo- I think Josh Hubel, like he was going for the jugular. They converted the fourth and six to score this touchdown. Like they were oh and seven or something on their first seven third downs mm-hmm. face. Like, so the defense was making nice plays in like situations like that, but they had, uh, um, they were making the fourth down plays. <laughs> so to get that big stop was huge. Obviously it didn't turn into like they used that and rode the momentum to win the game. But when an SEC team is like flexing on you like that and you step up early, I think that was really impressive. And the discipline of Virginia, I think Zach, you also mentioned this in your post, um, what two penalties. Yeah. Yeah, Two penalties and only one, I mean, one was special teams when they were punting from the 38. Oh, and they took, and now the five yards were fine. Like, I don't know why they're punting from the 38 on fourth and three, but that's a separate thing. But yeah, like, uh, only two penalties in the game one was Sackett Wood that that was a costly one but it was also after motion I'm not gonna like yeah. blast them they like had three guys in motion and then he moved to early so yeah and yeah I'll let you keep going no no that was it I just think those are the things that early when you're completely outmatched by a team that's just flat out better than you like it can these when you look for the little things and the little things include did you seem prepared to play and yes the answer was yes for me there yeah, and think. they didn't turn the ball over too. Yeah, huge, huge. Two, especially really the amount team. of contact yeah. that Tony Muska took. There were a few times where I was like, Tony, you got to get rid of the ball. But he also didn't do any like ducks. Like he didn't just launch one up there and give a you know whatever mm-hmm. team all SEC corner a chance to to nab it and come down with it. So, um, and the ball security from the running backs, um, special teams, all that was good. Zach? Yeah, I think 
it, I'll, I'll make two points, one on quarterback and one on cornerback. I think that's where you like Muskin more than Armstrong in this offense. And I don't mean to diss Brandon Armstrong. I'm not trying to do some hot take stuff. But Brandon Armstrong tried to run around. He tried to make plays out of nothing. And that's great. And he did it well in 2021 to an elite degree. Um, but last year we saw sort of the cascading mistakes pile up to a point where that offense just couldn't produce. And it's not like UVA's offense with Musket was on fire on Saturday. But I think that you saw a guy who felt pressure when it was there, stepped up in the pocket when he needed to, stepped into hits when he needed to, and stepped into throws, mm-hmm. um, which is something that Armstrong didn't do a lot of. He did a lot of back foot sort of like chuck it and heave, or sorry, chuck it and pray. Uh, even in pray, whatever, um, last year. And I think that Musket is a more confident player in the pocket than Armstrong, arguably. Um, and maybe better, not that anyone wants to be a good quarterback and with a bad offensive line, but he might be better with a bad offensive line than Brennan Armstrong. Um, with yeah. the secondary, I think I think Cohen King was solid. Like I think I think at corner for a guy who typically plays safety and and they needed one of their four good safeties to play corner. Mm-hmm. I think he was impressive. The Malcolm Green, Sam Westfall sort of battle on that right side. I believe it's right. I believe King's playing on the left side. Um, maybe I might have that switched. Whatever they, it is, just whatever. pretend like you're saying it from the different perspective. Mm-hmm. You're like, well, right side if it's lined up for Virginia, but yeah, left exactly. side if you're the defense. Like, right. Whatever um, it is, just make it work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Yeah. So it works. Um, but I do think that, that that will be interesting. I thought Green might have made a couple more noticeable plays i'm not but i also i'm not going to pretend like i watched all of those corner snaps Tavon kyle at, at spur slash corner um i'm sure he's a good player in maybe against lesser competition but he really struggled in this game the spur position for the, the spur position for virginia time. is more or less slot corner it, mm-hmm. it, it's more or less the nickelback um look at this photo. sorry and no. <laughs> I, I i the reason that i i am optimistic about this is because i think antonio clary is going to come back and then they they should bump Jonas senker down to the spur which is where he played a lot last year and then you can leave cohen king playing strong safety antonio clary on the back and playing free safety you keep king in the box but you also have senker in the box more with the 425 that is obviously very popularized in defensive football nowadays and Ridzinski runs, you need your slot corner, who otherwise would be the third linebacker, to be able to survive in the run against the run. Right. Um, and Kyle showed lacking evidence of that, whereas we know what Jonas Sanker can do, both physically and mentally, with recognizing plays. So I think you want Sanker closer to the ball if you can rely on Clary on the back end. And all due respect to Kyle, I think that you want to limit his snaps or he's closer to the ball. Um, and uh, he got lost in coverage as well a couple of times, just took bad angles on tackles. And I don't mean to rip into one guy, but like he, he Tennessee exploited him in this game and other coaches are going to be able to, to identify that. So using the resources that UV does have at safety, I think that they can find a way um, to have a more complete set of pers- defensive personnel in the secondary. That brings up a, a question. So we, we've hit a couple of answers to this already, but if you were going into this week as the Virginia coaching staff, what are you pointing at in the film 
to your players to say this these are things that we can take away things to address things that can be uh, better things that First we touch can tackling attack that, that we can attack differently like or or scheme differently first touch tackling yeah i'm i mean again a lot of this it's it, i hate to be broken record where it's like oh tennessee was really good you guys mm-hmm. but it's you know but that's what um, i mean that's what i'm asking like there's yeah. there's a few things that you're sort of like well they're not going to play many people like milton you know and he's he's who he is and yeah they're not going to play a whole defense that's as fast as tennessee's so what are things that that can be worked on yeah so they were a couple times in the right place to mm-hmm. make the play either behind the line or at the line of scrimmage the first finishing fourth those down out. touchdown yeah yeah finishing those out um yeah. i think that there were some opportunities i th- like zach said about playing pistol um to get the if you know that you need to give them that extra like to get things moving the right way see how that takes you see how that goes going to the left obviously playing different teams there's gonna be different tendencies with what they're good at what part of the line they're good um let's see what else I mean, I, I, I'm very, well, I hope Tony Musk gets back, but I'm very curious to see what the offense looks like when he has a hot second, like mm-hmm. just a single hot second to breathe, because it could be, hopefully it's very different than what we saw on Saturday. Um, and that changes mm-hmm. everything. It ch- literally will change everything because one points are good and generally help you win games Two, it gives the defense more time off the field. Like they were on the field so much. Um, And so it's hard to really, you can notice things that you want to fix or you want to take away, but realistically, we don't really know what Virginia actually is until we see them this weekend. Um, So Zach, same, same question. Are there things that stuck out that you think you can address or take away? Yeah. I mean, I think, um, defensively I think you need to get more creative with how you're going to create pressure they had that one sack um, that I believe Sue Agunloye had off of a stunt from Faumui and Butler Mm -hmm. I want to see more of that I also want to see more usage of Cam Butler and presumably Chico Bennett um, in this game showed us that you can drop Cam Butler into coverage if you if you have Butler healthy in this game I think you can, re- you, you can realistically play around in fun ways with dropping those guys back and sending blitzes from James Jackson and Josh Ahern. Those are physical linebackers who can get downhill. I believe Ahern caused a um, a hold call in the second half when they sent him on a blitz or on uh-huh, the uh-huh. right side from the defense's perspective. Um, I think offensively, you want to <laughs> get... Gonna say, it was from the left side, I remember, but yeah, yeah from the I, offensive perspective. Well, I'm thinking yeah, yeah, from yeah. Josh Ahern's no, perspective because I, yeah, I think yeah. like I'm in the game. Anyway, <laughs> um, I think offensively, you want to be able to build your play-action offense more. And again, that's like, okay. okay, you couldn't really against Tennessee. But if you're able to get pistol going, runs to the, to the left side especially... Um, whether it's Calandria or Musket, frankly, maybe even more if it's Calandria, you want to be able to put the ball into the belly of the back and then roll out and then have routes going to that side of the field where the quarterback is rolling. They just couldn't do that because Tennessee just got into the pocket, into the backfield, especially on that right side. So you want to be able to do that more. You saw them try a couple times, like mm-hmm. early in the game, especially, and Musket just the time that by the time he turned around from faking the handoff and pulling it out, there was somebody in his face. So that's something that I, I think I want to see them improve. I think 
um, being faster to help an offensive lineman who's struggling is important. It took them about two and a half quarters to give you Nana some help on that right side. Let's let's jump to that quicker. Let's let's find those matchups that defenses are going to try to exploit and let's help. Um, whether that's chipping, whether that's a, a back shading to that side. Um, and then if it's Calandra in there, I mean, we're going to see a lot of read option. We're going to see a lot of RPOs. We're going to see a lot of simple decisions for a freshman quarterback um, in a, like, you know, Scott's not, that's not Nashville. That's not playing Tennessee in Tennessee, but this game is still, that's a big stage for, for a young, a young kid like that. And I think that they're going to try to, keep him running, keep his legs, make his legs useful, and then make simple throws elsewhere. I'm assuming we're going to see Calandra again. I don't have inside information, but I don't. I, I doubt that Musk gets back. I I feel like we would have heard something by now, and maybe this isn't just me being naive, but Holiday if Musk was 100% fair, we'll find out tomorrow we'll, not by the time this is up. <laughs> um, like, uh, we'll deal with it on Tuesday. <laughs> MRIs don't work on Mondays. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it, improvement yeah i think you want to find more unique ways to get pressure you want to establish the value of play action and i mean establish the run is really an outdated thing to say but that's what the staff wants to do i also think maybe i don't know how much this is like this isn't the players with the coaches i'd like to see them be gutsier on fourth down pierce i may i know you may slightly disagree with me on that but especially in a game situation punting from the 38 on fourth and three is ridiculous no that but it was later when it was fourth and seven and you had it was fourth and five or six from the third chance to actually get some points on the board for the first time it wasn't a blowout at that point it wasn't 28 nothing it wasn't exactly because here's the thing they if they miss if they don't pick up the seven yards which they were not going to pick up guys they had barely been able to get three or four at a time they weren't getting seven they were at the 21 yard line so if they don't pick up anything and it's then tennessee gets the ball the 21 versus the 25 but virginia has three points now like that one to me was a no-brainer you kick it like unless it was fourth and one like fourth and two maybe but they weren't picking up those yards it four than six or seven was like i was like absolutely not take the points especially let betridge see one go through the uprights after he yep. missed the early one it's now 11 points it's two possessions still i got that but like no that was the right call there you the problem was letting them then go score immediately <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. That, <laughs> like that if you because at that point you're like okay the defense has been playing pretty well they've only given up 14 points to the number the last season number one offense there's a minute and a half left in the half and we get the ball back so like ideal optimism situation you're going into halftime 14-3 and you score a touchdown the first drive of the second half now it's 14-10 you take those points every single time every time i I agree but we're older and wiser but punting punting from the 38 no no i i had the information wrong you're right that it was fourth and seven on the 22 (laughs) i i don't know if i'm thinking of sometime later in the game when they were closer the one we were tweeting about was the fourth and seven, though. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, yeah, that was so the one we were right tweeting about. The first half. Here's the yeah. thing: I still would not have had a problem if they went for that. Like, I think probably kicking's the better decision. But here's the reality: three points was not going to do you anything. That's what and Paul, Paul, and, and, and Betters so just that. missed a. In all due respect, just missed a 28 yarder wide right. The like he made it. That's great, but process over execution. Like, like let's. 
I, yeah, you anyway. in the big picture, you're not gonna be putting threes on the board and beat Tennessee. Like I get that. That's like the correct mindset. Uh, I do wish like later on the long punt, that was kind of thing. I don't know. I don't know the mindset, like how you do stuff, but um, if it's a f- deeper field goal than like what Betridge was comfortable with, like put game, let, let, let game your ticket, rip it one late. I really wanted to kick a field goal late, but that's fine. Whatever. Like when they yeah, punted you, it from like the 38 or whatever, I was like, do it. <laughs> Cause that's you what get into a dangerous, do. you get into a dangerous point with the kicker's head there. I know. No, um, it would have been just for funsies though not like a you're benched it's just a hey it's 28 to or whatever it's 49 to 10 let the let the old guy kick one <laughs> sorry uh, and pierce was we talked about this other, but uh shout out to my fellow darden mac Yanier, 34 year old the dude the first kickoff was not great he left it short left them a chance to there was a bit i will say that was one of the things that tennessee does well and did well is like they had a couple really they ripped off a couple big returns and again i think if you that point of first contact was generally there in a good spot they just could not wrap these guys up so again i will hold off at least a week before making any overarching assumptions on special teams and kick return coverage um but from there on out he crushed them deep in the end zone Good to see Betridge come back and and convert yeah. a couple and one from forty yep. because yep. man if they if they spend all year missing field goals again like it's just that's just brutal for a team that needs every single point yeah. that it can get in a game like this of course but even you know anywhere this season they they're, they're going to be needing points so good to see him bounce back and and convert the final two. I just I have a. I have a slight bone to pick with Daniel Sparks. Not Daniel Sparks, yes. but... With the hear punter? Me out okay. No, listen. Our MVP? Fight the punter. Our Here's MVP? The- <laughs> Daniel Sparks has a leg. Don't get me wrong. The dude can kick the ball. Nine punts, 384 yards, 42.7 mm. average, long of 62, three inside the 20, four punts of over 50 yards. That's all like, that's great. And and he does a good job at the job that he has. That being said, one thing that Keith Gaither, special teams coordinator. I just wondering where this at, is going. He does a good they, job at his job. I know, right? No, listen, <laughs> this, this is no. going somewhere. No. One thing that Keith Gaither pointed out in the offseason back in spring ball was not out kicking the coverage right. and that being a point of emphasis for Sparks and special teams. That sounds like a not Sparks problem to me. It it sounds like a Sparks needs to take a little bit of a little bit of juice off his punch. Those three big returns. You don't reel in the power. Yeah, it sounds like our gunners are. That's like asking. No, okay. When you kick kick from the thirty-eight, I'm kidding. kidding. Okay. (laughs) When you kick from the thirty-eight and you kick it thirty yards down, I'm just saying, like, if this guy's all ACC, which I think he is. But so like, much shit talking about. No, I'm like Daniel Sparks is great. I'm just trying. <laughs> if he to make thinks a he's point. that good, maybe dial it back a bit, pal. No, I'm just kidding. I I'm see just, what you're saying. They need to ninety better yards of return, ninety-one yards and a long of fifty-five. Yeah. Okay, but he he's punted it nine great. times, so that's ten yards of. <laughs> yeah, but they only returned it three times. They they uh-huh. fair. That's the bigger problem. Yeah. That's see, the that's number. The it's thirty yards per return. No, sorry, that's I should have explained that. That's yeah. the issue. Is that when he's out kicked, he only out kicked him like three times, but then no, you're putting all that blame on him on those. 
That's I just I I think no, it's I a, just, but you have to know where your coverage yeah. can get to. Yes, they need to get down there, but at the end he of the day, he also has to points, get it off were, before it gets blocked by the giant Tennesseans coming in. Just kick it out of bounds. <laughs> what it's so easy on the Xbox. Just kick yeah, it out but of bounds. It's, like, it's where it comes out of bounds. You have to angle it perfectly. <laughs> yeah, you, you know just, what I mean. If just you yeah, dip it, it right you inside just move and then stick a little, and you know, <laughs> yeah. Or or in I real like life, that... if I'm putting it sixty yards this way, we'll just just turn a little bit, my man. <laughs> just turns out Zach thinks that Daniel Sparks has like a dial on his back that the coach turns it to before he goes out for leg power. I'm I'm I'm. I'm <laughs> I'm if you can place it inside the twenty, punters don't just kick it out of bounds every pop. <laughs> I'm someone who knows football better than me needs to. Why don't they just me. kick it so that the person drops it? <laughs> no, wait, you can, it is you can kick things out of bounds by aiming out of it's like yeah no I this feels like very you just like, kick it a little short. We need a we need a punting expert to come on the podcast and explain to us, but. We also need to wrap things up with our uh, traditional three stars of the game. And before we get started with that, I'm going to go ahead and hand out the blog bonus star from the blog to Mike Hollins uh, for obvious reasons. So neither of you are on the hook for giving it to the guy who gets the obvious star, Mike Hollins. Everybody knows the context for it, but man, it was it was excellent to see him out there. Um, hopefully he gets some more protection against JMU than uh the Tennessee because you know they didn't fill up the box score but I feel like the running game can be a strength for the team and uh certainly Mike uh can be a big part of that um I do think you know how many games are we going to get to until we we start getting into not just Mike but for everything uh the the Mike London is a cop repetitiveness from the uh, commentating uh duo yeah. it's gonna it's gonna time, get there like, yeah I'm okay with I'm more right, okay, I know, but, I know. You know, it's like, not like, the same, but yeah. Um, anyway, we're it's I mean, obviously huge to the team, huge to the fan base, huge to um everybody in this community to see him out there, and and so it's it's so cool. So obvious bonus star, uh, to Mike yes. for for that, and big things to come this year for him, hopefully too. But uh, for you know, the the production of football uh caroline you're you're the guest you get to go first um who who is your star i want to go to the whole defense i know i said stevie (laughs) bracy um he just he led the team in tackles um he was kind of it just felt like he was everywhere um and seven unassisted i think the only person that had more unassisted tackles um was cam butler with eight um so i just really liked i think that was a um good starting performance from someone mm-hmm. that i think is going to be extremely important to this defense nice good stuff uh zachary yeah he's a nice depth i mean like with him though those four guys in ahern jackson sorry i'm not just trying to no you're good but with jackson getting an extra part of a star (laughs) brace bracy and cam robinson you have four very playable linebackers in two spots um they're all they all have sort of question marks in coverage, but I agree with Caroline's um star there. Mine will go also on the defensive end to Jonas Senker. I just think he was targeted six times, only let up two receptions, had two pass breakups, uh, seven tackles, four solo, was a stud in the running game. I think they need to play him at spur at slot, get him closer to the box, get him even having even more impact on the game. Yeah, it's great to have a, a guy at safety who can read the game like that, but I think you still have that in Clary. 
um, Sanker it could be the best player in this defense this year. Yeah, you sold mine. I, I totally agree. So I'll go with, uh, because we already gave Malachi Fields uh, plenty of flowers, I'm going with Paris Jones. He scores the uh, touchdown. Uh, but really just the way he scored the touchdown, the, the 17 yard run was a thing of beauty. Um, there were two volunteers in his face, uh, right as he got the ball and, uh, Paris shook him, uh, and then, you know, sort of made a nice move to cut it back inside and then showed some speed to, to make sure that the uh, safety is going to get there. So just really, really strong play from Paris who had some really good flashes, uh, last year and and so if they can get um consistent flashes from him he might be the the rushing leader on this team uh, by the end of the the season so right now he's tied with kobe pace for yardage so he's right there um but that 38 that, yards baby. yeah right <laughs> that that run in particular um was i mean it's the only touchdown so it's an obvious highlight but honestly I, I, i'm proud really of them for it. getting into positive yardage they had especially i think they finished with mm-hmm. 95 yards rushing they had at one point i think they went into the second half with negative yardage so they really did what and i understand like subs were made at various points blah 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 but i still think that the subs on tennessee's team are not any slouches and also Indeed. proving trying to prove a point to like get into the game for themselves so um that they were able to figure out pistol or running off the left and and pick up some positive yardage where it's just like oh that was awesome look how much better everything feels when it's second and six instead of second and 14 like every single time <laughs> um so it was a uh, impressive from the running back core to do that Indeed. I have a little small mini rant to make about college football stat keeping. He's like, I'm back on Daniel Sparks. The floor is yours. Why do they count sacks in the it rushing It makes stats? no sense. This it's has been the a long... stupidest thing. Yeah. I know Paul, I think Paul, maybe even Caroline have ranted about this on this podcast before. <laughs> I just need to say it again. It is so, it makes life so difficult because then you have to specify rushing yards by running backs. Like, handoff care it just it does not make sense that's not rushing that's the passing game like if you're anyway um yeah that really frustrates me but regardless send that to um the ncaa for review Uh, they'll get right on it they're really on top of following up with you and three to five years i believe (laughs) right after they they figure out whether or not tez walker is allowed to play (laughs) did did you see and i don't know i think i heard this on the broadcast (laughs) someone i think it was the commentators on the broadcast said that the part of the reasoning was that the ncaa had decided that they weren't going to grandfather like when the new rule was going to be but they just hadn't announced it yet and i was like that's not how this works you can't retroactively Mm. like disallow players because you thought about it a few months ago Mm -hmm. that's the most ridiculous anyway i just was absurd football you're gonna need to leave the ncaa and so we could get our other sport conferences back too it's it's the writing on the wall all right but we'll talk about that down the road we'll talk about jmu next week uh everybody feeling on a scale of one to ten how confident are you that virginia pulls off the upset and beats james madison uh at home scale of one to ten how confident six okay 
So like or, a little over okay. yeah, <laughs> yeah. the opposite of Zach. I think well I think that's musket, it, musket that's is right. playing if musket, musket is plays, playing I might my... be at a, a six or seven if musket yeah. is is plays and is healthy. Uh Calandria, I don't know. I mean, who knows? But I, I liked I liked the Tony Musket experience and think yeah. that'll translate well to uh hopefully a team that's not as good as Tennessee. Uh, maybe they are. Maybe the Dukes are as good as Tennessee, and we'll find that out the hard way. There's going to be a lot of JMU fans. I'll tell you that. Whatever. Um, All right. Hope to see you all at uh, Scott Stadium this weekend for the home (laughs) opener. Yeah, just an additional point just to promote. um, I'm probably not going to have time to put it up on the website, but I'll push it on Twitter. Um, On Saturday is also the UVA Strong sort of Remembrance Memorial Time Day. They're bringing the, the Sean Perry, Devin Chandler, Lavelle Davis's families out um, 30 minutes before the game. The first 35,000 fans get a free UVA Strong t-shirt. It's an orange out. Please wear orange. Um, and then on the, oh gosh, one of the end zones, I believe it's the one by the hill. I don't know exactly what we call that. They're putting UVA Strong and they have the names of the players on the boundary surrounding the field. Excellent. Uh, yeah, no, definitely. Um going to be a powerful day uh as far as uh, any home owners go but particularly uh this one and uh so get out there we'll see you out there uh we'll be back uh next week uh, to talk about hopefully the fun result of that game um but stay tuned this week as we get into plenty of pre-game coverage on streakingalon.com go hoops. Oh.